You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, a place where hope and reality converge. Well, I love about this passage is it's an ordinary situation, and there's four things that Jesus does that I think he'll do in our everyday lives. He'll want to direct. He wants to speak to us. And are we going to be willing to obey? And so there's parts, four things I want to impart to you from this passage. The first thing is when you're in that situation, that faith situation, where it could be handing him a card and inviting him to Easter. It is that starting the conversation. It's trusting him maybe in a financial need that you might have, maybe in a relational need that could be going on. The needs that you have is you're trusting faith in him to come through. First thing is, do whatever he says, no matter where you're at. Isn't it amazing that Jesus' first miracle is probably at one of the most inconspicuous moments? It's at a wedding reception. And there's reasons why it's very fitting. I think it shows a lot of how God, the importance of God, that marriages are. Um, we could go down the list of why it could be important, and there's just different things. But what's so neat is it could it's just at an every ordinary reception, just like it could be an ordinary day at work, ordinary at school. An ordinary moment turns into something amazing. God wants to do something in the ordinary moments. It's going to be at the ordinary moment. When you go from this service, you'll go out, You'll hit a local restaurant. could be at a moment when you're having a conversation with the waitress. could be a moment of a conversation with your neighbor at the mailbox. Isn't it nice you're entering the weather that you'd actually want to stand outside for more than two minutes? <laughs> um, you can actually see that you actually have neighbors again. We actually are outside. Um, oh, I actually have neighbors that live. Um, there's, you're going to have incredible, ordinary moments as we live our life. God wants you to know that he's got a plan for even those. No matter where you're at, he wants to do something incredible. So do whatever he says, even in those moments. The second thing is that even in the midst of your problems, here was the problem that arose that Mary begins to see right off the bat. Because they're there, this wedding, obviously they're close friends to this bride or groom. and So Jesus and the disciples are just kind of chilling. They're just hanging out there just observing everything, and just trying to be there in attendance. But one of the neat parts about this is Mary begins to see the need that, man, they're going to run out of wine. And the sad thing is the way this would have come, this would have been a major scandal in that culture. If you had run out of wine, people would have talked about the bridegroom because the bridegroom was responsible to make sure that they had enough supplies to, feel, to feed the crowd, to, to be enough wine. People would be talking, well, if he can't even do this, how could he, how could he ever care for this girl? They, they'd talk about it for years. Uniontown's not a gossipy town, right? But you, you remember stories that might be floating around town going, oh, yeah, we heard about that, and it could have been from decades ago. And it would have been that type of a scandal that this bridegroom would not have lived it down. And one of the most amazing parts is that God's concerned about it. Mary begins to pick up on it. And so in the midst of your problems, know that God wants to do something in them, and he will. Thirdly, 
do whatever he says, even when you're not encouraged. And this is one of the most amazing parts of the story, where Mary begins to prompt Jesus to do something. Because here she's for 30 years from the moment of Jesus' birth. And it's just a few months ago as we celebrated Easter you, or Christmas, you probably went back and went through the Christmas story, different parts of it. And Mary captured all of those and kept them locked in her heart, knowing that God has something special for him. And like any mother, this mom is, gonna, is just like, when is that day going to start to show itself? And so Mary's prompting Jesus because it's like, okay, I know that there's a problem here, but I know that you've got an ability to help, and we need your help. So Mary's being a typical mom. Like, my mom is the typical mom, and it's like that typical mom. She's being the mom mom. Like, I had, this is my type of mom that I had. Uh, if your hair was sticking up, and yes, I had hair at one point, even had the 80s mullet. Um, but she would be the type that if your hair was sticking up, and you're walking out of the house, you try to spit it to get that cow lick, that hair sticking up to lay down. And she would even do it when I was in high school. I mean, I'd be walking out the door, and if she saw it, she'd sneak up behind. And it's like, it's the most embarrassing thing to go to school smelling like your mom's spit. And, I mean, it's just, <laughs> explain that to your friends. And there's this incredible part is Mary is much like that mom. Because my mom would be like that, like, Honey, and she, my mom, Ari has this moment of doing baby talk. You know, it's like, I, just be glad you don't have my mom as your mom. Um, because that's, and Mary's kind of doing the same thing. Like, Jesus, uh, I won't do anything with your hair. But there, there's a need here. And it's at this point, Jesus comes back. And it's an interesting statement. Dear woman, he comes back to Mary. Dear woman, why do you involve me? My time has not yet come. And it's a very abrupt, very, and you're kind of like, why is that there? Because it's like, how do you talk to your mom like that? And I encourage any teenagers in this room, so when your parents ask you, like if your mom asks you later today to clean your room, do not go back to her, go, dear woman, my time has not yet come. Why do you involve me? Don't, do, don't try to pull the Jesus card on that, all right? Just letting you know, don't do that. It won't go over good. You'll get grounded. I tried it. Um, but one of the cool parts about this moment is Jesus comes back, and here's the incredible part. Jesus knew that this was the moment. As Mary began to prompt him, in Jesus, in that stern rebuke, was actually a gift of love. Because it was at that moment, Jesus began to assert himself no longer as the son of Mary, her son, but I'm the son of God. And he begins to reveal his full Godhead at that moment. And, and what's so amazing is that rebuke, if you want to call it a rebuke, that stern response begins to help Mary. And this is what's so amazing, is that as Mary begins to process the crucifixion, which is going to be year, three years to come yet, but even with that foresight, that strong will help Mary as she begins to ponder the death. And even those moments in a few weeks when we celebrate that the stone was rolled away, those moments that he might be alive, it helped Mary process all of that whole situation. See, that's a God that is so careful to even think of his mom in a moment like this. The detail, it's amazing. And so even when you're not encouraged, keep doing what he says to do. Mary could have very well at that point gone, well, I shouldn't. 
And yet Mary felt something. And she went ahead and went and got the servants. I mean, this is what's so t- a typical mom, is they don't wait on the first response. Isn't that true? Like if they tell you to do something, <clears throat> have you done this yet? So there's that follow-up <clears throat> clearing of the throat. Mary kind of does the same thing. She goes and gets the servants and brings them over, and she goes, now do whatever he tells you to do. You know, at this point, Jesus got to be going, thank you, mother. And, and it was at that point Jesus instructed him, go get waters in those big jars. Go fill them to the brim. And what's so amazing is we hear in that story, they do that, they take a ladle. Some of those workers had to be going, okay, I'm supposed to take this ladle, telling the master's ceremonies that this is actually wine. And so somewhere between where they do, they fill it, they draw it, they take it, the water does turn to wine. And what's such phenomenal detail is at the end, is that the, bride, the master's ceremonies, as he tastes it, it's just not wine. It's some of the best wine he's ever tasted. That's the phenomenal part. Because in that day, you'd bring out the best wine at the beginning so that people would enjoy it. But as they get liquored up, um, which it wasn't truly liquored like what we have today, but as they would have had their full, starting to get full, they'd bring out the cheaper wine later. And this was what's so neat is that testimony of this wedding that could have been a disaster becomes something that they rave about for years. Going, oh, they had good wine at the beginning, but they even had better wine at the end. The testimony of that wedding was spoke about the quality for years. It became something to brag about. And here's the great news about our life is our problems in every aspect of our life, our God still changes. He still transforms. He still changes us. He still changes the situations. So even when we don't feel encouraged, know that you've got a God that will and has the ability to come through. He will come through for you. Be faithful. Keep going on in faith because we have a God that has overcome. He will be faithful. Hang in. Keep marching because the miracle is just about there. That's the great news that we want this generation to see through the human right culture. We want them to be able to see that clarity of the gospel, that this loving God is not a distant deity, but he's a relational God who loves and desires a relationship with us. And he will transform their life. He will give them dreams that are bigger and better than they could ever think or imagine. Your loving God has dreams for your life, for this church, for your family that are bigger and better than what you've ever dreamed before. And as you step out in faith and keep doing what he says, even when you're not encouraged, even in the midst of the problems, even when it seems in the ordinary moments, just know that your God will come through for you. Finally, do whatever he says, even when you don't understand the process. I mean, those workers doing the different things, I mean... You know what's so amazing? There's going to be moments you take a step of faith and you're not going to understand it all. But just know that somehow God can make it, make his purposes for your life come through, even in the midst of some of the darkest valleys. Jorge is a student that, out in Oregon that's making Jesus known. And uh, I love Jorge because he was at youth group on a Wednesday night, sitting in the youth group, and a new kid happened to sit down right next to him and elbowed him and uh, just said, dude, how do you know that this stuff is real? And Jorge, sophomore, was like, well, that's a tough one. Um, didn't know what to say. Another one of those awkward moments. But here's where awkward goes awesome again. In that awkward moment, 
he just begins to go, all he could think of is he had this in an email to me. He goes, all I could think of doing or think to share was, well, here's how I know that God's real. And he began to list a couple of moments where God just came through for him. Which is the right answer? It's his testimony. This is how I know God's real. He came through for me in this and this and this. And he's shown me this. Well, the new kid was, well, that's cool. The service went on. At the end of that service, the new kid went up and gave his heart to Christ. Jorge went up to congratulate him. And it was at that moment he realized, man, it's almost 8.15. He had to be out in the parking lot. Jorge, this is where I found out a whole bunch more about him. He, he comes from a divorced family, and one of the parents will pick him up, and if he's not out there within five minutes of the youth service being over at 8.15, he would get grounded and couldn't go back the next couple weeks or so. And found out a lot more about Jorge's family. But in his rush to get out, he realized he'd left his Bible, his favorite Bible in the youth room, and went back in, looked around, couldn't find it. But he had to go, otherwise he was going to get grounded. So he goes back, goes, gets out to the parking lot, and goes home for the week, doesn't have his Bible with him for the whole week. Comes back the next Wednesday night, looking for it, still can't find it. And then he happens to see it, the new kid's back. But then he notices the new kid has something in his hand. And as Jorge walked a little closer, he looked at the Bible that the new kid was holding, because Jorge had carved all these designs in the cover of his Bible. He had realized the new kid had ripped off his Bible. So he's going to do what a lot of us would do. He's going to go get his Bible back. And so he's walking across the youth room, getting, man, I'm going to get my Bible back. And as he got right up to the new kid, at that moment, the new kid stopped a youth leader just to ask the youth leader a question. And he's like, how do you read this? What do these names mean at the top of the page? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And it's like, and these numbers. So he's overhearing the conversation of a youth leader explaining how to read the Bible. And in his email at that point, Jorge goes, it was at that moment I realized that that Bible wasn't mine anymore and that God had placed it in the hands of who he wanted it to be in. And I'm reading that email. When I read that sentence, I went, that's this generation that I love. Just like the students on the video earlier, that's what, if I could give you equal time, there's so many times you hear so much what's wrong with this generation. I just want to balance the story out a little bit today that there's a whole lot that's right. And God is raising up a remnant of students that are phenomenal world changers. They're willing to just trust on faith wherever Jesus leads them to do it. Jorge was one of them. And I just, man, I read his email. I, I'm a soft touch. I started to tear up. And I'm like, I showed it to a couple of our guys in our office. I went, let's go get Jorge another Bible. So we got him a fire Bible like this, engraved his name on it, mailed it to him. A couple days went by, sent him an email going, dude, did you get anything in the mail? Emailed it to him. A couple more days comes back, and I get this email. It was long. But it started with my favorite word, dude, um, which was cool. I love the word dude. It's the coolest word in the English language, by the way, because you can use it in any situation. You can be angry, dude. Sad? Dude. I mean, it just fits. So it just, anyway, it's the utility knife in the English language. You should pick it up. Um, but I loved it, dude. But he goes on to say, when I got home, I got the package. Mom and dad are divorced. He goes, my dad happened to be at the house when I got my Bible. And he goes, he was talking to my mom. He goes, I go in the living room when I saw the package and I unwrapped it. And he goes, I started to jump up and down when I just saw that it was a Bible. But when I pulled it all the way out, He goes, and I saw my name on it. I started shouting in the living room. No way! This is so cool. I mean, he's shouting. So mom and dad, his two sisters, had just got home from school too. And they're just looking at him like, what's what's wrong? And he's showing them the Bible, and they're looking at him like he's a nut. 
Jorge is the first generation believer in his family. You can go back into his grandparents, none of them outside of a wedding, not even on holidays, wedding or a funeral, that's when they would go to a church. They didn't go to church ever. And so Jorge, here he is as a first generation believer, realizing that there's not even another Bible in his house. And what just amazed me in that moment (laughs) was here's Jorge, his parents are looking at him, he got to have this amazing conversation for the next hour and a half. For the next hour and a half, they're nailing him with questions like, why do you go to that youth group? What's the big deal about that Bible? And he began to share who Jesus has been for him. And at that end of that hour and a half, he got to lead his mom and dad and his two sisters all to Christ right there in the living room. And to tell you how genuine those decisions were, for the next three weeks straight, every single night, dad would come back to the house and they would have family devotions together. After one week, the dad went out and bought Bibles for the rest of the family because they were tired of sharing Jorge's. (laughs) And what I love about it is it all started a family, an entire family coming to Christ, which, by the way, mom and dad have now remarried. All of this happened because of a Bible being ripped off. And here's the great thing. If life, you feel like life has ripped you off, just know this. There's a loving God that cares about every moment of your situation. Every moment of your life, he cares about. He has not forgotten you. You need to know that today. That there is a God that has a plan for you. He has a plan for this church that is bigger and better than you'd ever dreamt before. Are you willing to trust him no matter what? Do whatever he says, no matter what or no matter where. This is a loving God that cares for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God. On a a mission Sunday, we can be reminded that, God, we live in a mission. And that you, our lives are a mission. That, God, you want to do a work in and through us. And, God, we just continue just to put ourselves there into that place where, God, you will speak to us today. That, God, we could be able to tell that great story of what you've done for us and to be able to share it with others. That, God, we can make you known to others, no matter where the situation might be, if we trust you, that you will give us those opportunities and that we seize them. Lord, we just pray right now with every head bowed that we just commit ourselves to that, that we will know you and to make you known. And with every head bowed, I have to ask this question. Maybe you're here today. God prompted me this during worship. Maybe you're here today, and you know what? This could be your first time, and you've been, you're coming here from a hurting church situation. And it'd be very easy to give up on God. He just wants you to know he knows. He loves you. And just know I'm with you. And others today, if you're away from the Lord, just know that he cares. If you're here today and you do not know that Jesus If your life would end today, you do not know if you'd go to heaven. You don't know what the outcome would be. Jesus wants you to know that he he loves you today. So if you're here and your relationship is not where it should be, but you want it to be, maybe you're here today and you've never made or asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. You've never invited him in to to lead your life. If that's you today, would you look up and just pray for look up at me and just I want to pray with you if that's you thank you thank you is there others wow thank you Mm. (laughs) 
little while. I want everybody to say this prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me and not giving up on me. Come into my life. Be my leader. Be my savior. Direct all my life. I give it all to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I need you to do one simple thing for me. I'm going to ask one simple thing, and then this balding guy from Missouri will leave town. I need you to do one thing. If you prayed that prayer today and you meant it, before you leave here today, would you see Pastor Jason, see his wife Jody, you can see Pastor Kyle. Would you make sure you see one of the pastors? And you could walk up to him and just say, uh, dude, I prayed that prayer. Or now if you're talking to Jody, don't call her dude. Uh, that would that would not be good. Do that, you know, that would work. But just say, I prayed that prayer. Because here's the cool thing. I know the lamers. And you guys have a pastor that's so relational. And how can he be a shepherd? You have a true shepherd. How can he be a shepherd if he doesn't know where you're at? So this isn't a shame thing. This is an exciting thing. This is a celebrating thing. So make sure you see him. You go, dude, I prayed that prayer. Or do that. If you would do that for me, that would be awesome. And I just want to pray for you. And I'm going to turn to Pastor Jason. Dear Jesus, I just pray a prayer blessing upon this church. God, the greatest days are of the history of this church are yet ahead. That as they keep launching out in faith to keep doing what you say, to keep following your leading. God, you, I just continue to pray for those dreams that God, you bring the people, you bring the resources to accomplish the dreams, which God is all about to make you known. Nothing else. It's that pure to know you and to make you known. And God, I just pray your blessing, your anointing be upon them. God, may this just be an amazing year of of harvest. God, I pray for the offering in a moment, God, that you will just let it overflow. God, that just like the umbrellas in the back, that God, your blessing, your empowering to stretch every dollar, to make it all matter that lives can be touched and known to you. We give this to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.